0: And because I I think it's partly, these are women who have spent their lives in large part um, nourishing other people's stories and facilitating and midwifing other people's stories and passage into the world. And then they get to a place in their lives where the kids have gone, sometimes the husbands have gone too, and it's their time. It's finally their time. It's their story, it's their voice. Hi, everyone. Well, this is Diane Gilman.
1: You may know me as the Queen of Jeans, but I'm also the proud host of my own podcast named after my second book, Too Young to Be Old. And today we have a fascinating guest. This is Allison Waring, and she is a memoir writing coach. And what I think is going to be so interesting to all of us is one of the top 20 gifts of the year for 2023 is you buy this program, you come back and choose one person family, friend, distant relative, and you ask them the series of questions, you turn it in, and AI, Artificial Intelligence, <laughs> writes this autobiography and you get it all bound in leather, and it is a memoir of part of your experience. And so, Allison, I want to introduce you, but I have to ask you, I never heard of a memoir writing coach. How did you get there? (laughs) Did Did you invent this whole No, I've writing. How did this happen?
0: It it like so many of the greatest things that have happened to me. It happened completely by accident. I just want to start though by saying I am not an AI. I'm no in no way connected to this AI writing thing.
1: Yeah, that was just that was (laughs) just a fascinating uh, gift of the year. Like, you know, one year it was a Chia pet and I thought I could be a Chia pet with all this hair. Why <laughs> doesn't Chia come to me? So, okay. So.
0: Okay. Yes. Cause I have, I have opinions about AI writing, but I won't air them here.
1: <laughs> and I have opinions anyway. about I have opinions about Chia Pets, but I won't air them (laughs) here either. Okay, Okay.
0: so uh, how did I get into this? Yes, because I've also been called a memoir midwife, which is a (laughs) really… I love that. Yeah, yeah, uh, so I fell into it by accident in that I had written by then, I think, a couple of books, a couple of memoirs myself, and I was asked to uh, teach a workshop on memoir writing. But the truth is I did not – I failed high school English. I did not study, uh, you know, English at university or creative writing or anything. In in many ways, I felt pretty unqualified, even though I'd had two books that had done, you know, done very well. But I I had this – Um, maybe it was some kind of imposter syndrome or something. And so I really wasn't sure because I'd never taken a writing workshop. What was I going to do in this workshop? And uh, so I, but I winged it and I found that people really, um, the moment they started reading, I I could, it was as though I could just tune into the highest iteration of the story they were trying to tell. And I don't really – I can't really explain why that is except that I just – Found that I had really interesting things to say to people that seemed to be really helpful insights that they that helped them find their way to the real heart of the story. Um, yeah, I but I can't really I have no way of explaining how that happened. Just I guess by that point, I, not only had I read two books, but I'd read or sorry, written two books, but I'd read hundreds, and so I think in that you just develop an ear and an eye and a and a sense of story and a sense of arc and a sense of development and a sense of what the story is really about, which Uh paradoxically with memoir is not actually, well, it's not about the writer, which, which is a great paradox because you think memoir is all about me, but when it's done well, it's actually not about you at all.
1: So I'm having that paradox right now because I was approached by somebody who is a screenwriter and We are going to develop a treatment on my life for Lifetime movies, for Oxygen Channel. And I've had a really pretty dramatic life. And when it comes to where's the arc and where is the meat, I don't know. Is it a catastrophic childhood? Is it the wild teenage years i spent surrounded by the music industry and rock and roll is it how i broke into fashion in new york is it how i got on i mean i'm telling you right now i am going to need to sit down with this screenwriter and say okay this is like a menu of my life what do you want to choose as a main course what's the appetizer and what's a dessert?
0: Right. Well, and the thing about memoir is that it charts a shift. It, it's not just a series of things that happened. That's not enough for a memoir. It's enough To tell stories at a party. It's enough to keep people entertained for a long time. But as far as it's it's not yet an arc. And and the thing about memoir that's so interesting is that it charts a shift. Most often the shift is a shift in perception. So we can't change what happened to us, but we can change the meaning we make of it. We can't change the series of events, but we now have a view on those events that we didn't at the time that we lived them. And that tends to point us in the direction of what that arc is and what the what the shift is, because that's what makes for a satisfying ending and journey along the way. The reason it's not enough to just have a series of events is it's sort of like a series of waves that are just... You know, they're just going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. the The story arc that is satisfying is one that takes us from some kind of uh, place of not knowing, a, a sort of leaving. We depart something—a way of being, a way of understanding, a way of seeing the world. We might, we might be fleeing something we might be stepping into a desire for freedom independence we might be leaving a state of health if we've just been given a diagnosis and entering this world of you know illness and how to cope with that but then and then there's a point in the story some it and it's it doesn't necessarily need to be one dramatic scene but a period something that happens where we realize that whatever it is we were going after is not going to be found outside of ourselves. We think that what we want is out there, out there, out there. Some kind of adventure, something, you know, love, whatever it is. And and there's a point in almost every memoir where either that doesn't work out quite the way we imagined. Either we don't reach that place or we reach it and it wasn't the solution we thought it was or it presented its own set of problems. And that's the point where the memoir actually gets really interesting because that's the point where whatever it is we thought we were going to find outside of ourselves, we actually need to cultivate somehow within ourselves, whether that's a sense of love, whether that's a sense of my life being beautiful enough that I don't need constant adventure or whatever it is, or whether it's just an acceptance of this new state of being that I can't change. And that points us, that's kind of the crest often of the memoir, the point where life is never quite the same again, and where we're we're really challenged to plumb the depths of ourselves and come up with something that we didn't have at the beginning. And that's where memoir also becomes really generous. I think of it as a very generous art form because ideally by the end of the book, we are offering something to readers that we have gained through the living of our experience. And we're offering them some kind of insight Proof that something can happen, an example of, you know, let's say a a person who has transcended a state of crippling grief. We never can eliminate grief, but we can learn to live with it in this way, for example, or make peace with, as you said, a difficult childhood, or have a sense of self understanding or self forgiveness for something we experienced in life. Whatever the shift is, that's the gift at the end that we offer for the reader. And that's what makes memoir so satisfying to read. And ultimately, as I said, such a generous art form, because we're not handing someone a recipe. It's not a how-to book, but it is a glimpse of life that they may never have seen before.
1: Yeah. And it was interesting to me when I got the proposal to do a memoir-based screen treatment and, and see if we could do it as either episodic or, uh, you know, a two hour made for a TV movie. It, believe it or not, I've always wanted to be a lifetime movie. I have always, I find it, I find it the most recreational television for my brain. You, they're hilarious. They don't really make a lot of sense and, yeah. and they're over the top. But you know, when I really think about it, so is my life. But when I think about my life, And I think about, I had an extremely difficult childhood. And I'm wondering, what parts do you emphasize? Like you can do the whole treatment on, oh my God, poor Diane. How did she ever survive that? Or you can just do the tragic part of it in my childhood as a springboard to rebellion and leaving home. And then what I did next. And then, I mean... It's interesting. Yeah. There is a balance, right? Yeah.
0: And that's the great challenge for memoir writing. It's not, by the time we get to a place where we're interested in writing about our lives, we have so much material to draw from that the difficult question is not, what should I write about? I mean, we have so much we could write about. The difficult question is, what not. To write about, Yes. what to leave yes. out, so that a central story can emerge. And that's what I, when I said at the beginning of the, of this um, interview, that memoir is not about us, that what I meant by that is that our personal story is an illustration of some kind of universal human experience, whether that's coming of age, or overcoming some kind of difficult odds or discovering self-love, discovering forgiveness, discovering, you know, whatever is on the other side of some great challenge. Those are universal experiences and that's actually where to look for the real heart of the story? What is the impersonal, universal story that you are actually telling with the details of your life? And it can help with that question, what to leave out, what to include, do I focus on this, do I focus on that? The question is, the real question is, what is this about that has nothing to do with me? How would you Tell your story without referencing yourself. And you'll notice every memoir you pick up on the on the jacket copy of the memoir, you will see an example of that. They'll give the details of the author's life, but eventually they'll say something like, you know, this is about one woman overcoming the odds of XXX and finding XXX. Yeah. It's always done in this universal language. And, and the reason for that is because that ultimately is what all of these personal stories are. They're what weave us together as human beings. This is how we create community and culture is by exchanging these stories. And the fascinating thing about it is we can live markedly different lives from different parts of the world. And yet we can connect through these universal human experiences. Everyone Everyone's heart is broken at some point. Everyone experiences loss. Everyone experiences grief. All of these things actually are so, I mean, common in the best sense. They're shared experiences. And when we tell our version of that, it's as though sub- suddenly we're allowing other people to step into that story and have that experience for themselves too and in i think of it as adding a voice to this choir we ha- then you know we we are ultimately part of this collective choir of voices whose whose the details of our stories may be quite different but ultimately we're all human beings here having this human experience
1: So when I think about having my life be a Lifetime channel movie, I think, so what do I want from the audience? Do I want them to be outraged at my childhood, which was crazy? Do I want them to pity me? Do I want them to be cheering me on? Yes. Do I want them to be shocked by me? Um, do I want them to think I've climbed every mountain and forged every stream? And yay! You know, it's interesting when you start thinking about how you would write a memoir, especially if it's going to be seen by the public.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and another Where question the, to yeah. ask. Yeah. Well, another question the to,
1: ask. to go. Where do you yeah. want the emotional
0: emphasis to go? Yeah. And another, another question to ask is what am I offering my audience?
1: Yes. Oh, for me, it's always the same answer. Inspiration. That's Mm. what I'm here to do right now is Mm. inspire those around me because aging is difficult. And if I come back with the overall message being aging is actually pretty great. I'm the happiest I've ever been. What a miracle. Um, Then you've got a good basis to go back to. But then you know what? when you do memoir coaching you're not necessarily coaching other best selling authors you may be coaching people that are just writing a memoir for themselves. Is that correct? Or is everybody looking to make a publishable book out of it?
0: No, a lot of people, I mean, I now don't do one-on-one coaching. What I, what I did eventually was take everything that I was doing with people around the table and make it available to everybody anywhere. That was my, that was my goal. How can I take, if I can only work with, you know, eight people at a time, um, I, uh, I need to find a way to yeah. Expand what what I do. And so I created a course that guides people through this process and, you know, has them ask certain questions and so on. But um, most people come just w- having a story. We all have a story that we want to set down. And I think that's a really natural and almost sacred impulse, actually. Really? And, yeah. And so a lot of people come just with that desire to tell the story. Some people say, I want to publish and so on. And, and what I find beautiful is the people, some people who come with this idea of this is just for me or it's just for my children or just for my grandchildren. And then once they get into the process, they realize, oh, sharing this is actually, this feels really good. And so they start publishing one little piece or, you know, submitting a piece to a contest. And then eventually, yeah, they do end up in the publishing world having not started that way.
1: Well, do you ever find, and this was my experience, um, especially writing the second book, which had to be inclusive of my diagnosis of breast cancer and going through that. Um, But the ghostwriter that I worked with went and interviewed a really wide range of my family members. And I suddenly found all these family secrets. And things that had been withheld from me, where it was, oh my God, Uncle So-and-So was actually like a a serial killer? You you must be kidding me. I mean, it was at that level where it was, whoa. So the self-discovery became crazy. And I thought, are people going to find this palatable? I mean, do you really go through the Do other people go through this? But you'll never know until you start putting that memoir together. And it jarred all sorts of memories that actually led me to understand some of the foundational choices I made along my road in life. Yeah, it was, it's been yeah, such... Yeah. Self discovery, uh, invaluable. You say, Allison, that storytelling helps in reclaiming power and ownership over your life. I I was fascinated in my family history because being first generation American, you know, a lot of the history was back in Ukraine around 1900, and um, finding finding out the progression of both my mother's family and my father's family was fascinating to me and they never wanted to talk about it. They had to get pulled out of them. But you say that it also is great for women's emotional health and development and almost as a role of holistic Methods and nurturing, creativity and storytelling, I would imagine that a lot of the people that benefit from your program, memoir writing, are people that may never have thought of doing that.
0: Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and and as I say some people come with an idea that yes they're they want to publish a book. Some people come with an idea that they want to just leave something for their children. But what I call it a side benefit of this work because we don't go into it looking to empower ourselves necessarily, but what I have found so beautiful in this work is the sense of empowerment that people do get by discovering their own voice and setting down their own stories. They literally become the authors of their lives, the narrators of their past experience. And one of the things that I find interesting, as I said, we can't change what happened to us, but we can change the meaning we make of it. And one of the things that we need to do when we're excavating our lives for story, for the purposes of writing a memoir, be it 10 pages or 300 pages, we have to ask a lot of difficult questions. We have to develop characters that are three-dimensional we we need to reembody certain scenes from our perspective now and inevitably that leads to insights that we didn't have at the time that we lived the experience and when we realize that we've been telling a story a certain way our whole lives and that we have the power to shift the narrative which isn't about changing what happened it's not about going in and erasing certain details but taking some perspective on I mean, to give you an example, if if there was you know a, a parent who was incredibly domineering or or incredibly difficult or even abusive, part of the work of creating that person as a character is shining a light into the their background. What, who was this person? What, where were they coming from? What were they carrying when they when they were doing X or saying Y? What motivated them? It's the same work we do as actors. You know, we have to body the character and understand what's propelling them. And in doing that, we can just gain this, you know, this flickering insight into that person as a human being that we had no way of understanding when we were a child. And it can, it doesn't always, but it can elicit a degree of compassion for that person or even a measure of forgiveness it's not about exonerating anybody or excusing anyone's behavior it's really just about a depth of perception and understanding that's ultimately very liberating and empowering and i say yeah. you know we write our story when we write our stories we liberate ourselves from them oh
1: totally you know when um when i was younger and i did have an abusive father and i really crazy household um and to give you an example uh when my father didn't like something apart from chasing me around the house with a butcher knife and me hiding spending whole days hidden in closets and locking myself in a bathroom so he couldn't get at me if he was really on a rant he would like to throw himself on the carpet and start ripping the carpet up with his teeth There was nobody I could talk to about it. I was an only child and they were an upper middle class couple. So I always said, I was a prisoner who grew up in the back of a Cadillac, Mm. you know, uh, and I tried to take it to my version of social services when I was 12 or 13. And they just called my parents and said, Oh my God, you can't believe the things your Uh. daughter is saying about you. So for me, Writing the first memoir, which was a lot slicker and surface, but writing the second memoir, it all came out. And mm-hmm. it taught me so many things about my reactions and not fitting into society's mold mm-hmm. because of, and I doubt that in a career that was as demanding as mine, I would have made Those deep inferences, like, oh, you did this all your life because of that. No excuses, just causality. But a memoir can do that for you. A memoir can free you. You may be keeping all of this inside of you because shame, Mm -hmm. not sure anyone's going to understand, thinking you're going to get rejected because you're not part of the norm. But I'll tell you what, it's freeing. It's like being out of prison.
0: Yeah. And then and and to say too that there's a lot of the writing that we do as part of the process that doesn't end up that it, that's writing we're just doing for ourselves yeah you know, so much of the excavating, because journal it, memoir is not journal writing and it's not therapy but the process can be therapeutic but it is a different style journal writing the journal writing is writing we do for ourselves memoir writing is writing we do for others that's ba- the, you know the basic distinction and and so much of that you know that what you're talking about that, uh, you know, re- rediscovering things, reliving things. It's not that it needs to be all in there. And in fact, um, yeah, many, many memoirs just need to choose the focus. What's the focus and the heart of the larger story that you're exploring? And and that can help. But knowing, but having uncovered those things helps really, I think, define the voice of the narrator. This is a person who has lived through these experiences, who has found this kind of courage or strength or wherewithal to be able to now stand above the story and look down on it and, and narrate the story. And, and the really beautiful part about memoir is when it stops being my story, the things that defined me, and it becomes a story in which I was a character. And suddenly we have this distance from our story, this perspective on our story, and the ability to now craft it into art that will speak to other people.
1: So here's a big question. How many memoirs have you written about yourself?
0: Three. Well, Yes, three. But one was, I mean, one is now being called a memoir, but it wasn't really. It was a book about Iran. So it's mostly about Iranians, but I'm the narrator of that journey. So it's called a travel memoir. But I've written two about my, one was about my childhood growing up with a gay father in the 1980s in a small town. Uh, And then the other... Yeah, the other was an exploration of just, um, yeah, family and genealogy and how much do the people who came before us define who we are. And it's a trip that I took with my dad to Ireland, actually, uh, where we were in the archives of Dublin and I was trying to figure out how much do all of these people who lived 300 years ago, how much do they define who I am now and how much should they? You know, I was just exploring those ideas. That's
1: interesting because for me, my genealogy was always worrying, hoping that I was adopted because I didn't want to share Mm -hmm. genetics with my father. Mm -hmm. And that was a really big thing to me. And I never found out whether I was adopted or not, although I suspect it, but, um, I I also think it's so interesting now to go into a screen treatment on my life, and what part do you want to emphasize? The part where you hung out with rock and roll stars, and it was just like, yeah, hey, yeah, I met Rod Stewart yesterday, gave him a hand-painted leather jacket, went to his birthday party—no biggie, do that every day, or you know, hiding in closets for my parents, or when I was seventeen, my parents decided I was hopeless. And locking me in my bedroom, locking me in my bedroom for like a week. And they were going to choose a husband I had never met. Set up an arranged marriage. Wow. Push to get me impregnated immediately and set me on the right course in life. Amen. And so I I wondered, like, uh. Okay, is that something that any audience on TV should know about? You know, when you have a dramatic life, and actually, if you allow yourself to see it that way, most lives are dramatic. What parts do you want to share? You know, I always said, when I got on television, designing clothes for TV was very, very different than designing them to be hanging in a department store where people can feel and see and touch them. Writing a memoir is different from sitting down with somebody and kind of recounting Mm -hmm. your life. Now you have to pick and choose and form a path and form a storyline and form a denouement and a conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I find it all so fascinating. If you had to say, As our final question, that there was one favorite part of what you do, and you can choose anything, what
0: would it be?
1: Uh, ah, Yeah,
0: it's pretty clear to me, actually. It's watching people who've never felt they had a voice stand up and tell tell their story. Oh, my God. That's it.
1: And do you enjoy working with professional authors? Like I know that you worked with Anne Dosette Johnson. Yeah. And her testimonial meant a lot to you. And she is a best-selling author. Which is your favorite? Working with people, as you said, that just go into a self-discovery of like, oh my God, I actually have a voice and I can form this story that actually is my life. or. Working with professionals like Anne, where you're on that level with them and guiding them, what, what is your druther there?
0: Well, they're satisfying in different ways. The only places that I teach now in person, I do writing retreats. So I do them in Tuscany and I've done them in France and Mexico and Canada as well. Yeah, they're really fun. So I love, and when I'm in Tuscany, it's, I mean, people, both ends of the spectrum arrive, people who are fresh and new and those people who are sometimes working on their third book. Um, It's, I would say it's satisfying in different ways. Because when I'm working with a writer who's a professional writer, there's, you know, I can dig my my teeth into the literary part of it and that's yeah. really satisfying. But equally satisfying is working with someone who's really just discovering the value of their story. I would say it's almost a difference between satisfaction in the head, you know, and satisfaction in the heart. You know, they're they're just two different one is really, you know, chewy and satisfying in a literary sense, and the other is really beautiful in a heart sense. I, I don't think I can choose actually. <laughs>
1: And for me it's a, it's I never knew I could love writing so much. Hmm. But it is such a form of expression and you know I never thought I would be on TV. I never thought I would be in front of a camera. I and after 30 years on Teleretail I thought the story is not broad enough or big enough for me. And because we've all got limited time on earth was this what I wanted to keep on doing. Or did I want to start telling other people's stories too Mm -hmm. and expanding on that and my point of view um, and wanting to be, frankly, inspirational and inspiring to a sisterhood of women 55 plus because aging is so difficult. So my final question, and I could talk to you forever, um, what is the average age? of memoir writers that come to you. I'm fascinated to know that.
0: Well, it's definitely women in their sterling years, as I say, as I call them. Absolutely. Very few men, almost no men. And because I, I think it's partly, these are women who have spent their lives in large part Nourishing other people's stories and facilitating and midwifing other people's stories and passage into the world, and then they get to a place in their lives where the kids have gone. Sometimes the husbands have gone too, and it's their time. It's finally their time. It's their story. It's their voice. Those are the women I mostly. Yeah. yeah.
1: If they see it that way, you know, I looked back and I thought to myself: first of all, I just thought of some of the dangerous situations I got myself into during the 60s and the 70s. And I thought, you know, Diane, it's a miracle. You're here today. It's a miracle you survived. Then I thought about my childhood and equated it to the Adams family and the fact that I grew up during the Leave it to Beaver uh, mm-hmm. world on TV, but I was living the exact opposite. It's very, it's really interesting. It's almost like looking down When you're writing a memoir, looking down a time tunnel, Mm. and every scene in that tunnel is a different year, a different dramatic episode, or maybe it's a long, slogging episode of, yeah, I'm not liking this. I'm feeling like a prisoner. How do I get out of it? But whatever it is, writing a memoir is so eye-opening you almost at times do not recognize that you're writing about yourself Mm, yeah here here yeah thank you thank you diane i thank you so much i find it just absolutely fascinating that that's how your career headed and i think honestly you must hear some amazing stories, and I sure do. Do really do some good for people. It's almost like when you write a memoir. Would you agree as a closing phrase? It's like cleansing yourself. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks, Diane. I thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Two Young to Be Old podcast. The episode may be over, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Diane Gilman. Or visit our website, thedianegilman.com. If you like the show, leave us a rating or a review. And subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, don't forget, age is just a number. Together, we'll prove that we are all too young to be old.